the book of Acts chapter 20, verse number 16. It says, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Pentecost, the day, be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. When they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are necessary ingredients for salvation. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men." For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I want to speak, read again verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Let us pray. Father, we bow to thank you for another privilege that you've given that I might be able to Read your word and bring the message. And Lord, I pray you'd help me tonight. Lord, I pray you'd preach through me what you would have given. Help me to be a blessing and encouragement and a help to your people. And Lord, give me wisdom and power, and I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to receive that that you have for us. Lord, bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'd like to speak uh, about uh, on the thought, What Lies Ahead?, in the new year. Paul here, of course, uh, is uh, making a return trip here to Ephesus, and uh, of course he is reminding them of his ministry, his preaching there in days gone by, and uh, he's headed to Jerusalem. And of course, as he had hated the Christians, so the Jews still hated the believers, those that were not saved. And uh, he is giving warning uh, to Ephesus and letting them know that as he goes to Jerusalem, that he does not know what may befall him there. Uh, and, uh, of course, if you read the story, you know that he was arrested and imprisoned there uh, in Caesarea and then sent on to Rome, of course, suffering shipwreck on the way and, and suffered uh, troubled times. Uh, and he said that the Holy Ghost said that bonds and afflictions uh, were abiding him. So it, it was not without warning, but I believe it was God's plan for his life. 
And he said, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Would God we had that single ambition in life. That my desire is to be used of God, to be a vessel that God would use. Nothing else really matters. He said, it doesn't matter. Uh, imprisonment doesn't scare me. Of course, uh, by this time he had already suffered many things. And he said, these things don't move me. They say that mine's afflictions are waiting on me, but that's all right. My mission is to preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, if we had that, uh, that kind of desire, we'd get the job done, wouldn't we? Uh, a lot of times we don't have the success because we're not that sold out to God and that dedicated uh, to the Lord. But, you know, when we get to eternity, we wish we had a being. We'll see what is really important and that the things that we spend most of our time on in this world uh, really uh, don't amount to a whole lot. And when we get to that world, they won't mean a lot. And so as we think about a new year, we don't know what's out there. I don't, I don't know what uh, tomorrow holds, but I know, thank God, who holds tomorrow. And I'm so glad of that. And so uh, we thank God uh, for, that, uh, for that blessed truth. Now, there may be sickness out there. I think about the year gone by. And, and the sickness that, uh, that people have faced and the, the times that I've made visits to sick people. Uh, you know, I ought to keep a record of it, I guess. I don't. So I don't know how many visits I've made in the past year, but I'm I just thinking uh, if, if there's been a week that I haven't visited someone that's sick, probably not, uh, that people are sick all the time. And we don't know what may befall us in this area. And who may be next? We may have some, uh, some uh, terminal illness in our bodies even tonight. Uh, we, we don't realize that. But, uh, uh, and we don't know what may befall us in this area of life. You know, there's a lot of confusion in our day about, uh, uh, about the matter of, of sickness. There are those that say it isn't God's will that you ever be sick. Uh, well, I think we've gone far enough in the book of Job to realize that, uh, that Job had really done nothing to, uh, as far as personal sin to deserve the, the uh, tragedy that came in his life. And uh, I'm, I'm not saved. I preached not too long ago some things I'm not saved from. And I'm not saved from that yet. I will be one day when I get a glorified body. But until that day arrives, I'm subject to sinness. Uh, any sickness that others may be subject to in the world, I'm subject to. I'm not insulated. I'm not saved from getting sick. And sometimes it is God's, uh, it brings glory to God, the sickness that we may suffer. Now, God, uh, God is able to heal. I believe that. And God can heal miraculously. Uh, someone uh, said, and I think rightly so, that God heals in, in, in different ways. God heals sometimes immediately. Uh, God can heal with medicine or with doctors or without them. Sometimes he heals over time, over a period of time. And then sometimes God heals forever when he takes us on to heaven. 
Now the Bible said in James 5.16, Pray one for another that you may be healed. That's why we have a prayer list. That's why we have people that are sick on the prayer list. Because the Bible tells us to do that. Pray. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And I believe we could see more healing if we had more praying. I'm not talking about making a circus and, and putting on a show. I'm talking about real sincere prayer and real healing that brings glory to God. Not glory to man and fills the pocketbooks of, of, of uh, uh, TV personalities. I'm talking about healing in answer to prayer. And I believe God is able to do that. And sometimes, sometimes I'm afraid because of all this show business that it causes us to lose faith altogether. And we may come to the place that we don't believe that God does heal anymore. But he does heal in answer to prayer. And, uh, and I'm glad for that. Thank God. That God, uh, sometimes God may allow sickness to show he can heal us. And uh, uh, in, in, in answer to prayer. You no know, longer I live and, and the ailments that I face and you go to the doctors and the doctors seemingly can't help you. Uh, I think there's going to come a time that we're going to realize that prayer, uh, prayer uh, will work. And, and when doctors can't do anything, God can. Right. And some, I believe we ought to turn to the Lord, not last, but first. And we ought to always pray. And again, I'm not against doctors or medicine or whatever. Uh, but I think we ought to pray with it. I don't think medicine or doctor is any good unless you pray. And so we need to pray. And then, uh, you know, sometimes God may uh, allow sickness and, and we may pray and we may not receive healing. And we say, Lord, where are you at? You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 there, the messenger of Satan, uh, you know, uh, afflicted him. He said, was, was given to buffet me. And for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And uh, uh, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in, in weakness. And I'm glad God gives us grace. And uh, if we have to suffer, if, if I have to be sick, may it be for the glory of God. And I believe God will always provide the grace that is needed to face it. Cancer runs in my family. My mother died with cancer. My sister died just a couple, two or three years ago now with cancer. And it's a very real possibility in my life. Now I don't like the thoughts of it. You know, certainly I have no desire uh, to have that disease. But if it comes, it comes. And uh, God will see me through it. I believe that. And, uh, and I believe that because I believe the Bible teaches that. And I believe that because I've seen God do it for multiplied uh, others that have faced similar circumstances. And I've, I've been there, and God sees you through it. Right. And, uh, and I prayed for my sister that God may heal her, and God did not heal her. You say God didn't answer your prayer. Well, she's healed now for good. And, uh, uh, but I, I told her, I says, God will see you through it. Yeah. God will provide grace. And God did that. And he, he gives us grace. He gives us more grace. You know, Romans, the book of Romans chapter 5 talks about that. That he giveth more grace. And I'm glad that he does. So if, uh, if we face sickness, God will give us grace. And then not only that, but uh, we may have to face sorrow. 
in the coming year. And uh, uh, we don't know what, uh, what we may have to face. Uh, isn't it good? Well, you say, I'd like to know the future. I don't know where I would or not. Uh, you know, I think, I think if you, God, God in his wisdom uh, didn't allow that. And uh, we do know something about the future, the long-term future, certainly, as it concerns prophecy. But as far as individual, I think if, if sometimes we knew the future, it would ruin today. Because uh, we have a tendency sometimes to try to live tomorrow today. And, and uh, God warned us against that, you know, that we should live really a day at a time and take no thought for tomorrow. Didn't he say that? Take no thought. Don't be troubled about tomorrow today because if you do, it'll ruin today if you try to live tomorrow. You know, some people worry about everything. Some people worry because they don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, uh, but sorrow, we may have to, we may have to face sorrow in, uh, in the coming year. But God, God is sufficient. And that's, that's the, the words that I try to give to people in their sickness, if they have a terminal disease, that God will see you through it. And God provides what you need to face whatever trial uh, that you come against. Now, I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I'd throw this Bible away and, and forget it all. But I've seen God do it over and over and over again. Now, in Matthew chapter 11, a blessed scripture, verse 28 through 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so he invites us to come and bring our burdens to him. And so we may have to face sorrow uh, in the new year by saying goodbye to someone that we love. Or we may have to face separation ourselves. You know, who will be next to go to heaven? Uh, it doesn't have to. You know, sometimes you... Uh, you know, you, you look at people that are up in age and you say, well, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, they, they're, they're not well and, and they may be next. But you know, it isn't always that way. Sometimes a young person dies. Something I heard a preacher say that I haven't forgotten. He said, you go take a visit to the cemetery. You think just old people die? He said, go visit the cemetery. And you find all sizes of graves. Read the markers. You find people dying from, from dying as an infant, dying as a young person, all ages and all sizes of grace. People die at all ages. I read those statistics there of the teenagers that commit suicide and, and others die from drugs and, and uh, uh, other diseases that affect them. Some get killed in accidents. And sometimes, you know, we think, uh, uh, we think we're going to be here forever, but we're not. Life is so uncertain, and every day is a gift from God. We have no promise of another day. This day was from the hand of God. I have no promise of tomorrow. Right. If God sees in his mercy and grace to give me a day, I'll have a day. If not, I won't. And we don't know when our time will come. It may be this year. And that's why we need to be sold out to God like Jonathan Edwards, like D.L. Moody, 
those great men that you read about that done something for God. How many men can you name that lived in their day that uh, maybe became millionaires, maybe became successful business people or whatever? Who remembers them? It's just like, uh, uh, you know, when, when Joshua sent the 12 spies in and two of them came back with a, with a good report and 10 of them came back with an evil report. Probably many of you, probably most of you can name the two that brought the good report, can't you? Or that Moses sent, I said Joshua sent him, Moses sent him in. Uh, who was the two that brought the good report? Joshua and Caleb. Name me one of the ten. Anybody know? Just one. One of those ten that brought the Hebrew report. You don't even know one name out of ten? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you know? Who cares what their name was? Nobody remembers them. <laughs> it's those that did something for God, those that paid the price, and those that that said eternity is worth living for, that made their life count for God. And that ought to be the desire. If death, if we meet death this year, then live every day up to that time for God. That's the thing. Now, death is a separation. Uh, Brother Thomason was talking in Sunday school this morning about annihilation. There is no such thing. I never really thought of it in the sense that he brought it out. I know there's no such a thing as annihilation when it concerns death, but really there's no such a thing as annihilation when it, when it concerns anything else. Right. You can't turn something into nothing. You can't turn nothing into something. Only God can do that. That's creation. Right. But you can't take something and make nothing out of it. That's right. You can heat water, boil water until it's all gone. You say, okay, I, I got rid of the water. You just change it into a different form. <laughs> you can't get rid of anything, can you? And so death is separation. Death is not annihilation. There's no such a thing as soul sleep. There's no such a thing as a, as a non-existent state awaiting some great resurrection. Now, the Bible refers several places to death as sleep. And I'm glad he does that. You know something about sleep? Sleep is a blessing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you go to sleep, you wake up. I, I think that's one reason Jesus used it as a comparison of death for a believer. If the body of a believer goes to sleep, that indicates they will wake up. It's not asleep forever. Now, when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead, there in John 11, verse 11, Jesus telling the disciples, our friend Lazarus was sleeping. And they thought, well, if he sleeps, he does well. And Jesus finally told them, he said, he's dead. Yeah. You know, understand what I'm trying to say. He's dead. They, didn't know, they thought he was taking a rest and sleep. But Jesus referred to it as sleep. Why did he call it sleep? Because it wasn't going to be but a little bit. He's going to wake him up. Right. And he's going to be but a little while. God's going to wake our loved ones up. Right. 
And if you have to lay your body down in death, just remember this. That God's going to wake it up. It's just like a sleep. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 4, that them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now that tells you that the soul is not asleep in the grave. Is Jesus in the grave? No. Is he coming from the graveyard? No. Where is he coming from? He, he, when, he, when he rose from the dead and ascended, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He went back to the third heaven. That's where he's coming from. If that's where he's at, that's where he's coming from. Then we sleep in Jesus. Will God bring with him? Now that he brings the soul and spirit with him, the body, of course, is in the ground, and that's resurrected. Now the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I believe it is, I believe we'll get an angelic escort as I preached last Sunday. We'll get an angelic escort into the presence of the Lord in paradise. And, uh, uh, and uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the Lord, of course, is there. And we'll come back with him when he comes in the rapture. And you know, you know, if we go, if we go this year, I, uh, you know, uh, the Lord may come before any of us go, but if we, if we go by way of death, we won't be there very long. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. And uh, uh, Paul writes in Philippians 1, verse 23, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Revelation 14, 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from the labors and their works do follow them. Now that's, that's for the saved. It's referred to as sleep. But for the unsaved, it's referred to as a second death. Brother Griffin was talking about that in the opening this morning. The second death. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone said he... Uh, he, that is, uh, he that is born but once will die twice. He that is born twice will die but once. Talking about physical death. But uh, the second death, which is the lake of fire. You know, to me, that'd be a horrible thing. And I believe, I believe like you, brother, there's degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. And the scripture, if you want to look at it, is, is Luke 12, I believe. 12, 47, 48. Anyway, it talks about uh, he that knew his Lord's will and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with many stripes. He that knew not his Lord's will did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. They both committed the same, the same sin, but one knew better and one didn't. Few stripes, many stripes. Be degrees of punishment. You know, people say, well, if I'm going to hell, it don't make any difference what I do. Oh, yes, it does. I'm making it entirely, I'm making it how wicked I am. You know what the greatest, the greatest uh, basis of judgment will be? Is the light, the light that we have. The light. You know, it'd be one thing walking into this church with the lights off and stumble over things. We've got a mess in our house now, putting some, and doing, uh, putting a new floor in the kitchen. It's, been needing to do that for a few years, and I finally decided better do it. And uh, uh, I got up early this morning to do some study, and uh, the lights was off, and I was fiddling for a switch, and crash, bang! Uh, and uh, 
one of my wife's little whatnots hanging on the wall near the light switch, a little squirrel. It was in about three or four pieces. So I got the super glue and <laughs> yeah, did my job and went and did, did some study. Now I probably wouldn't have made that mistake if the light had been on, but it was dark and I was fumbling for the switch trying to find the switch. And things were, you know, I can use a maneuver pretty good through the house, you know, for all this mess. And now, now it's everything's changed around. We got the refrigerator in the living room and, and uh, all that sort of thing. But, uh, uh, but I use that simply to illustrate a point. The light, if the light's on, I wouldn't have had an excuse. But it was dark. And people that don't have the light... Will the heathen go to hell if they don't get saved? Yes. But their judgment will not be as severe as someone that had all the light. And so we're responsible. And so there will be. And he said the second death is a lake of fire. They're dying and going to hell and then being brought out of hell and have the old body resurrected and have to face God in judgment. And that's why there's a judgment. They're judged according to the works and then according to the light that they've had. And death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And then to be cast back in to me will be worse than never even getting out for that just brief time of judgment. Will the unsaved be resurrected? Yes. Revelation 20 very clearly teaches the, the unsaved will be resurrected. I don't believe they'll be, some believe they'll be resurrected in a glorified body. I don't believe that. I don't believe they get, a, I don't find any scripture where they get a glorified body. But they are resurrected. And uh, you say, well, how could they exist in hell without, uh, without a glorified body? Well, he said, fear him that can destroy both soul and body. And that word destroy does not mean annihilate. Fear him that can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, I don't know how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could not even have the smell of fire on them after they got out of the fire. I don't understand all that, but I know it happened. And so I don't understand how a person can be on fire and burn and burn and burn and not be consumed. I don't understand that, but I believe it. And so the unsaved will suffer the second death. Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oliver Green preached a, a powerful message on that, your next door neighbor in hell. And what an awful place to live. How would you like to live with all the thugs and the criminals and 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 all the the, uh, the 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 worst people of society. You think you think of all. Thank God for the prison ministries and those that get saved in prison. But you think of those in prison that have committed such heinous crimes. And and I think of this fellow was he California that that uh, uh, abducted this this was it I believe she was twelve year old Polly Class was that her name something like that. And uh, and they tried him and found him guilty. I don't know whatever happened to that fellow. But. Uh, uh, you know, from what little I uh, understood about the case and all, I mean, that fellow seemingly showed no remorse. You think of committing a crime like that with a child 
and, and no remorse for his crime. Uh, you know, what a, uh, what a terrible thing. How would you like to be shut up in a place with people like that for eternity? And not only, not only the vile and the filthy and the ungodly of this world, but you think of all those, all those uh, fallen angels and though, even the devil himself and those that rebel with Satan. And how would you like to be shut up with them? And then you read in Revelation about those, those <coughs> demonic beings that come out of the bottomless pit and torment men. And, and how would you like to live in a place with them forever? I'll tell you, hell's going to be an awful place, isn't it? And people glibly laugh about hell. You can talk to people, and uh, you talked about your dad, you know, and, and I've heard that. People have talked to me like that. Well, I'll tell you, I'll have plenty of company in hell. We'll just have a big party. Ain't nobody partying in hell. Ain't nobody laughing and joking in hell. And i tell you one thing they are doing in hell. Those in hell are saying, don't come here. That's what the rich man, go tell my five brothers not to come here. Separation for the unsaved. It's a horrible thought. And that ought to motivate us. I think it was Bob Jones years ago that said what the average church needs is for the preacher to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for, for two or three months on hell to awaken the church to the reality of such an awful place. You know what got me saved? Preaching on hell. I was scared I was going to hell. Amen. That's what got me saved. And I found out there's a way out, and I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. And oh, how the devil's got people blind. You know, you witness to people, and you wonder how under heaven, when they realize and they admit they're lost, and how they could stay in that condition. People that's nearing death and and they keep waiting and keep saying, not tonight, some other time. And, and they realize they're, they're, they're just a breath away from hell, just a heartbeat away from eternity. God help us. And then the second coming. As I mentioned Wednesday night or whenever it was, I, I guess the most surprising thing to me is that the Lord has not come yet. If you'd ask me, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would we still be here in 1997? I say, there's no way. I don't know why he hasn't. Well, I do know why he hasn't come. It didn't time. <laughs> I was wrong. I thought I had it figured out, but I didn't. Of course, I was basing it on air calendar, and evidently air calendar's off. <laughs> I think that's pretty... Uh, you know, that, that, that's pretty decided. I think we're, we're off, and I don't know how much, and I think God probably let it get off, so we want to try to be setting dates. He warned us against that. But I believe he's coming. I believe it as much as I ever believed it. I just don't know when. But he may come this year. And if he does, that'll be wonderful. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting a little tired of this place anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to live in a better world. I'd like to, you know, I, I, I have no, uh, you know, from the way it's been since I was 45, I, and uh, people older than I am, they say, cheer up, preacher, it's going to get worse. 
<laughs> you hadn't seen the worst yet. And what I hear, I'm not too anxious about staying here, uh, you know, any longer than I have to. And I don't want to die. I want to, I want to go in the rapture. <laughs> uh, I want to go without dying. I, you say, well, what's that if, it's, if dying's what you say it is, but the rapture's better. <laughs> and I want to go in the rapture. And Paul wanted to go in the rapture. And I believe every generation's wanted to go in the rapture. Well, he'll be here when the time's... When, when he's supposed to be here, don't, he'll be, he won't be late, and he won't be early, but he'll be on time. And it may be this year, or it may not. But uh, whenever it is, we need, I believe we ought to live as if it, if, if it was going to happen this year, don't you? I believe that's the way we ought to live. And if it don't happen, we haven't lost nothing. But if it does happen, someone said to live like he's coming uh, today, and the work like is coming is going to be some time yet. Just work like he's coming and live like he's coming. Well, the Bible said, Philippians 3, 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. You know, my body don't work like it used to. <laughs> I tell you, I was doing a little work. I tell you, hunkering down and makes my knees hurt and my neck hurt and my back hurt. And, and I thought, man, what's wrong with me? I must be really be out of shape. I'm just getting old. <laughs> uh, it's, hard, it's hard to realize, you know. You, uh, someone said they, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a teenager living in a 70-year-old body or whatever. Uh, you... Uh, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you want to do it and the desire is there, but the old body won't let you. <laughs> and uh, the joints don't work like they used to. And You know what I'm talking about. You young people don't, but you will one day. <laughs> yeah. You older, you gray-haired people, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Aren't you glad, thank God, we're going to get a new body? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? What if we had to live in this old body forever? That's the reason God, after they sinned in the Garden of Eden, he drove them out of the garden. They didn't want to leave. He drove them out and put flaming sword and fire cherubims to keep the way of the tree of life. God knew if Adam got to that tree of life, he could never die. How'd you like to be live in that body and it just get older and sicker and older and more feeble and on and on and you, you could never die. You just, you, but you got sick and more feeble. Wouldn't that be awful? Yeah. What an awful thought. To be released from this body one day. To be swallowed up. This body be swallowed up of life is, is what we long for the rapture. But if we go by way of the grave, he'll resurrect it and, and glorify it. And he's going to change this vile body. It'll be fashioned like unto his glorious body. The people I visit and their, their bodies are eat up with cancer. And uh, what an awful thought to be confined like that forever. But what a blessed thought to know we're going to get a new body. I can't imagine what it's like to feel perfect. You, neither can you. You may think, you say, man, I feel good. Yeah, you just think you do. 
You wait till you get that glorified body. You say, man, I ain't never felt this good in my life. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> this is grace. Revelation 21, 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Isn't that wonderful? That's the future of the child of God. And sometimes we, as we are confined in these old bodies and the aches and the pains and whatever, just be encouraged, hang will be like this forever. One of these days, God's going to make it all right. You look at the elderly people and look at me and look at the gray hairs and whatever. Young people, we used to be your age. Remember that. We used to look like you. Now look at us. That's what you're going to look like. <laughs> you say, I'm discouraged. You, are you making me, you're discouraging me. <laughs> well, I'm telling you reality. I'm telling you the truth. One day God's going to make it all right. Thank God for that. He's going to make it all right. He's got to wipe all the tears away. Get rid of all the sickness. And there's a verse in the Old Testament, such a blessing to me, says, The inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. I can't imagine a world like that <laughs> where nobody ever gets sick. Nobody ever gets sick. No hospitals, no doctors. I wonder what in the world doctors going to do. <laughs> no doctors, no mental institutions. I visit rest, several rest homes and visit people with Alzheimer's. It's really sad. There'd be none of that. No cemeteries. No funeral homes. God's going to make it all right one of these days. So I hope he's coming to be this year, don't you? Man, I'd sure like to have a new body. I'd love to see Jesus, see my loved ones. I'd like to see my sister. I'd like to see my mother. It's been a long time since I've seen her. And a lot of other dear saints of God, I'd sure like to see again. Maybe we'll get to this year. Let's bow our heads, please. I could go on and on. I better close.